Our scripture reading today is taken from Psalm 119, verses 49 through 56, and our message today is entitled, Words of Comfort. This is the Lord's word. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, that I have kept your precepts. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Just take this time to say welcome to one another, to say hello to each other behind you, in front of you, to the side of you, however it may be. <coughs> Today is Mother's Day, and so we have moms here as well, and... I see Deborah's here visiting us. It's good to see you as well. The family as well, I can see. So praise be to our God. All right. So we continue in our journey through Psalm 119. And psalm 119 is the, the longest psalm in, in all of all the Psalter. And it begins with the, the Hebrew letter. Aleph and ends at Tet, or Tav. It goes through the, all of the Hebrew alphabet. And each section of each part of the psalm starts with each letter. So if I were to start a psalm with the letter A and had a section for the letter A, each line would begin with the letter A. And then I went to the next section, the letter B, each line would begin with the letter B. And the psalmist does that from the beginning of the Hebrew alphabet to the end of the Hebrew alphabet. And he does it as an ode, as a love to Scripture. And what Scripture can give to him and to the people of God. That Scripture isn't simply sort of a, a collection of words that we take and enjoy every once in a while. But Scripture is the very Word of God. And this very word of God teaches the human heart who God is and teaches the human heart who we are. This is more than a guidebook, but this word is authoritative, sufficient for all of us. And it's incumbent upon us as God's people to have the same heart as this psalmist, that we may gain the life and the joy that God wants to give us. You know, when I first got a car, I knew nothing about a car. But I remember my first car, and I loved my first car. I really loved it. Back then, we, we did all the stuff ourselves. Remember some of you older people who are here? 
You changed your own oil. You changed your brake pads. You did the tune-up yourself. There were no electronics. Everything was mechanical. Before then, I never read a book on cars. Never read a book on how cars work. Never read a book on how to maintain a car. But as my love for my car grew, my love for books on cars grew. And you started reading, how does a car work? How do you maintain a car? How does this car function? For us as God's people, God has made us in his image. And once God has called you to himself, once the Holy Spirit has called you to himself, what the Lord does is he uses that calling to drive you to his word. Because our curiosity is about who is this God who loves me? Who is this God who has made me? What does this God want from me? Or does he want anything from me? What must I do to, to show my affections and my love for him? For the Christian who knows God or is known by God, our natural inclination is to run to God's word. One of my laments in our culture today is that we have lost a desire to read God's word. We have lost desire to understand the narrative of what God is doing. We have lost the curiosity to see who this God is. And we have lost our sense of knowing that all the answers are found in Scripture. And so my first call to all of you before we, we enter into this passage is, is a question. For those of you who hold Jesus dear in your hearts, what is your relationship with Scripture? What is your relationship with the Word of God? Do you run to God's Word knowing that in here are words of life? Do you run to, to God's Word in submission to God's Word? Not to find answers in terms of what you want in your life now, but simply under submission knowing God's Word will teach me what I need to know for today. And even if I don't understand what he's trying to teach me today, God is the all-knowing and all-loving counselor who knows what I need for today. I ask all of you who, who know the Lord Jesus, renew your love and your hunger for God's word. Be a people who devour his word morning and night. And yes, there'll be times you don't understand a single word. That's okay. If you understood everything, God's word would cease to be God's word. It'll just be words of man. 
but read, and if you don't understand, you simply say, God, how wonderful you are. My mind is too small at this point to understand what you're trying to teach me, but I submit. And those days when he does reveal himself to you, rejoice that God loves you so much that on that particular day, he's decided these words are for you. Our God knows what he's doing. And his word is what gives us life. In our passage today, the psalmist takes comfort in God's word. The psalmist runs to the words of old to find solace in his heart. Uh, for him, there is nothing more or, or less better for his soul than to sit and to meditate on the words of the Lord, sort of allowing them to, to roll in his mind over and over again and hear the sweetness of the words. The psalmist is under a point of affliction in verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Verse 51, the insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. Before we go on in terms of understanding exactly how the psalmist finds comfort, we have to ask the question, how is he afflicted? In this passage, what is the affliction that the psalmist is talking about, and, and what type of comfort does he find from that affliction? For many of us, when we think of affliction, we think about the difficulties of our life, right? When we think about affliction, we think about the brokenness of this world and how it impinges upon our lives. We think about the inequalities, the, the injustices, whether it's, it's cultural, whether it's racial, whether it's gender, whether it's simply just personal. And we look at the world and we go, I'm suffering because the world is broken. Give me comfort, O oh Lord. Now, although those are, are valid things that the Lord addresses otherwhere, other places in Scripture, this is not the place where it addresses that. This is not the type of affliction that we're talking about in this passage. For some of us, it's being simply afflicted personally. The injustice that we receive for simply who we are as, as people. People, quote-unquote, hating on us because perhaps of the way you look, perhaps because of the way you speak, perhaps because of the friends that you keep, perhaps just what you wear. And you take umbrage to that. God, you made me this way. Why are people angry at me? But again, this is not the affliction that this passage is talking about. And in fact, those two afflictions, you do not need to know God as your God to experience those afflictions. The whole world 
experiences the affliction of brokenness. The whole world experiences the affliction of being the other in the world. But yes, God does talk about those things, but somewhere else. But the third type of affliction is the affliction that is unique to the Christian. It's unique to those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the type of affliction that this psalm addresses. And in fact, I would dare say that this is the type of affliction that most of us have really not experienced. But yet, this is the type of affliction that we must enter into. For the types of comfort the Lord wants to give us, the balm, the, the remedy, comes from experiencing this type of hurt, persecution, sadness, injustice. Look at verse 51. The incident, insolent, utterly deride me but I do not turn away from your law. What is he saying? He's saying that there are people out there who will mock you because you follow God. They will mock you because you seek to follow the ways of your Lord. They will mock you because you take the words of God seriously. They mock you for the faith that God has given you. In verse 53, you could, you could see the emotions building up. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. That the indignation is not about my goodness, life is hard and I can't believe I have to live in this world that where life is hard. No. The indignation is that I can't believe that this person wronged me. I think he just has a vendetta for me. No. The indignation, the energy spent by the, by the psalmist is because they are being persecuted or they see people who are mocking God himself. And that is the affliction that the psalmist is facing. You know, um, you know Andrew and I, we, we will talk once in a while, and we, we sort of say in jest, I know this is being recorded, so please don't take this seriously, okay? but we say in jest that sometimes what this world needs every, every once in a while is a war. That's a war. Let's just reset stuff because, like, people are just too worried about so many different things. After World War I, people understood life and death. And all the little petty fighting sort of subsided. After World War II, you know, they say here in the United States, the, the people who went through World War II are the greatest generation because they fought for what was right. They saw people die around them. 
but they had conviction that evil needed to be, well, vanquished. Even here in our church, and in the churches here in the States, and even here amongst in our fellowship, sometimes we fight and battle about things that really aren't as important as you think. That our conversations turn simply to our own worries, our own desires. And yes, God knows them, God hears them. But let me say this, it's really tough to go to the Bible and to find comfort for that on every page. But what if there was a grand persecution that happened in our world today? What if, like in Indonesia yesterday, where three churches were bombed, we began to saw that the, that the fight is for the name and the recognition of our Lord What if our communication with one another was about fighting the battle for God? About letting his name be known. That our anger was not against people. But our anger was against the injustices. That our anger was against those who would mock the name of Jesus. And our prayers would be filled with prayers unto him. You see, the psalmist remembers that God remembers him in this affliction. I stop here for a moment, my brothers and sisters, and I ask you the question, When is the last time we have been mocked for following the Lord? When is the last time we've had a conversation where we were very uncomfortable but knowing that the Lord was with us? When was the last time, perhaps, in your workplace and you try to share just a little bit about who you are, your love for Jesus, that people start to avoid your desk, walk around you. I'm not asking you, and the Lord is not asking you, to look for affliction to look to be belligerent and battle people for the gospel. But the Lord is asking you simply to be who you are. To be honest in your faith. To be honest in how God has made you. That wherever you are, you simply be that salt and light that speaks God's word and truth and love. And whatever happens, 
happens. In Matthew chapter 5, we have the Beatitudes. And, and Jesus sums it up like this in the final Beatitude. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Brothers and sisters, I ask of you to do something. Number one, give to the Lord all the circumstances in your life that is causing you stress. That's what I'm going to call it, stress. Give to the Lord the things that you're thinking about over and over again that simply relate to circumstances of perhaps your job, perhaps your desires, money, security. Just give them to God. But instead, seek to love people. Seek to share the good news with people. That they may hear the gospel from your very lips. Now, when you experience this affliction, this is like getting your first car. Because when you, when you experience the affliction that comes from spreading the good news of Jesus to all, then God's word makes a lot more sense to you. Then God's word becomes more precious to you. Then God's word makes more sense to you. Because what is God's word about? It's about God himself seeking his people and his people doing all they can to try to obey the Lord. Some fail and get punished. Some succeed, get blessings. But in the end, it's Christ himself who succeeds in obeying the Lord, who receives the blessings from God, who showers it upon us, who gives us new life, and who charges us to live a life according to the faith that he has given us. That we are the, the light, the, sorry, the, the, the city on the hill, that all people, the, the light on the city, the, the light on the hill for all people to see, that we are the priesthood of believers that goes out and shares the good word to all. And, and we are the ones who will be persecuted because of that. What does the word tell us? The word tells us why that happens and who we are and the comfort that comes in knowing that we are known by Christ himself. And so we go back to the passage and we see that the psalmist finds comfort in God's word. Verse 50. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promises give me life. 
this is my comfort and my affliction, that your promises give me life. Or verse 54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. We as God's people believe that the word of God is the only place that gives us life and sustenance. Another lament by me. My prayer for this church and just for all the churches I've, I've seen is that there will really be a famine for God's word. I sometimes wonder if I took the Bibles away from every Christian that I know, whether they would miss it. I know if I took your coffee away from you, you would miss it. But I often wonder if I took the app off, if I took your Bibles away from you, would you even know it's missing? You know, growing up in the Korean church, I remember uh, um, you know, walking past cars and, and I would see in people's cars at least four or five Bibles <laughs> in, the, in the back seat by the window. I'm wondering, why do they have four or five Bibles sitting in the car? It's like, you just, they lose one, they buy a new one, they lose another one, they buy another one. It just sort of just accumulates there. We run to coffee because coffee, for some reason, gives us strength. We run to our friends because for some reason, just hearing several words from them gives us strength. But the promises of life come from God's word. And in order to, again, to experience those promises of God's life, your type of affliction needs to be the right type of affliction. Because if you're driving a motorcycle, a car manual is not going to help you. If you're trying to follow the Lord, the Bible will give you sustenance. This psalmist understands and loves his word. What are some of the things that he does? He likes to think about God's word. He likes to remember his promises. He likes to sing about God's word. He likes to keep God's word. Now, each one of those is a message in and of itself, but look at verse 54, right? Your statues have been my, have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. He sings scripture. He sings the Psalter. He sings to himself. He sings to other people. He allows the words of God to soak deep within his heart. The words with the emotions, the, the propositional truths with the heart together to minister to his whole self. I urge you, 
one of the very simple ways that you can jumpstart your life with the Lord and with God's word is you start singing a song. You know how songs get stuck in your head. If you're the type of person who, when something goes wrong, that it just sort of circles in your mind over and over and over and over, and you just can't get out of that cycle. If you're the type of person who worries and just goes over and over and over again in your, in your mind, and you just can't get it out. And even if you try to read God's word, sometimes it, it just sort of, it, it, it sort of just sticks in your head. One of the things that we all do so we listen to music. Well, why not listen to the songs from Scripture? Why not recite them and sing them to yourselves and sing them to others? Pick any song that we've sang today. Pick your favorite hymn. We're going to be singing Great is Thy Faithfulness a little bit later. Memorize that hymn. Sing that hymn over and over again. Pray through that hymn. And let that battle with, with God for your heart be one through these songs of Scripture. Lastly, verse 56 states, this blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. This is very interesting. What is the blessings that we derive from understanding that our afflictions are from following God? What are the blessings that arrive from knowing that God's word is, is, is the source of our, our strength and our comfort? What are the blessings? Are the blessings going to be this sort of feeling of euphoria? Are the blessings going to be this, this time where we go, I belong to God, and, and God is wonderful, and God is great? Are these feelings going to be sort of this complete and other, other peace that you've never experienced before? Is it going to be this mountaintop experience that, that we, we, we so desire? Is it going to be heaven? What does the psalmist delight in? And what must we delight in? It says here, right? It says, this blessing has fallen to me. What is the blessing? Look what it says. That I have kept your precepts. The blessings that's derived by the psalmist is the joy in knowing that he has followed God. That's it. The blessings the psalmist derive is knowing they've been obedient to God. Some of you might say, that's not much. <laughs> throw me a bone, God, throw me a bone. But the reason why this is everything is very simple. That is, if you obey the Lord with a heart of thankfulness, gratefulness, and meekness, 
you come to the Lord like a little child and say, God, I obeyed you this time. It was really hard, but I obeyed you. God will look down upon you and say, well done. But also as you remember, you know, obeying God's word is where we're drawn to his character and his personhood. I have two kids. They're the most obedient children in the world. Just joking. They're not. No such thing. When they obey, and they come to me and they, they obey what I say, or they obey what my, my wife has told them, they'll come to me and I'll say, Dad, I did what you told me to do. What's glorious about that is not simply the, the thing they obeyed about. That's glorious too. But in obeying me, it draws me closer to my daughter or my son. And my son and daughter, I draw closer to them. My son and daughter gets to know more of my heart in, in doing what I want them to do. And my son and daughter, knowing what I think is best for them, grow closer to me. When we obey the Lord, we draw closer to God and His character and His personhood. And God draws closer to us as we walk with Him. You can't love another person without sacrifice and obeying one another in one form or another, one form or another. Someone asks you to do something, you say, yes, I'll do it. It's a form of obedience. You do it, and you draw closer to one another. You don't do it, you draw further apart. God's blessing in this psalm as we obey him is simply himself. Brothers and sisters, take Psalm 119 and read it over and over and over again. Yes, the content is great. But ask God, God, give me a heart like the psalmist whose love and affection for your word is something that's foreign to me. Help me to sing songs about your word. Help me to love, to simply take your word and take a nice walk somewhere where it's not too hot and find shade and just, just read. And help me to see that in your word we find life. Let's pray.